This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hi, and welcome to Real Good Stuff. I'm Scott Clapson. We have a very special guest today here with us, Dr. Sam Collins. Hi, Dr. Collins. Oh, I love it when you I love it when you call me Dr. Collins. <laughs> well, you are a doctor, yes. <laughs> I am, yeah. I am. Thank you okay, for having Sam, me, Scotty. Yes, it's great to have you here. Okay, Sam, it's great to have you. You are such a dear person, and I appreciate you in so many ways. We met last year, right? It's been over a year now, it's been a year and a half, we met at an Aspire conference here in Los Angeles because of Urban Voices Project. And that was such a beautiful day. I still have my notes from that. Event. I love that day. Ah, the days, the days of doing in-person events, right? Yeah. I, I, I thought it was so great. You remember we had Urban Voices Project open the conference and everyone singing and coming up the, you know, to the front and everything. Yeah. I just thought, it was, I thought in 20 years, that was one of the very best uh, conference openings that we'd done. And, you know, because it's America, like everyone was up on their feet, dancing. Yeah. So it's very cool. Very You're cool. Doing this for 20 years? Yeah, I know. I don't, I was started when I was five. <laughs> she's, she's the youngest, youngest motivational organizer in the world, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually start, I look, I think I started when I was a kid. I was always like organizing and yeah. like, you know, making sure everyone was doing what I wanted them to do. Um, but I actually started Aspire when I was 29. Okay. So I'm about to turn the big five zero. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're, we're pretty close in age then. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, are you excited? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I've done this whole like, okay, I'm gonna lose like all this weight, like gonna be 150 by 50. I don't think that's gonna happen, but um, everyone says that everyone, those people that know as a woman in the in your 50s, apparently, it's like your best years. So, oh, really? We're, apparently, yeah, apparently, we shall see. So, I have to kind of get through the 49s. I am excited because. I like decade turners. I always do something good on a decade turner and I'm becoming less and you probably like, well, you don't care anyway, like what people think about me, but it's, it's sort of even more <laughs> like I just started a podcast myself and I was telling a friend about it and I was saying, you know, I just, I'm swearing in it and I don't care what people think. And I'm asking the tough questions. And she's like, well, you've always done that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, but, but more. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of your podcast? Stripped Back. Stripped Back. Oh, that's a cool name. Stripped Back from what? Like, like it's just raw, authentic okay. conversations. Yeah. You know, no script, no, no advertising, no sponsors, no giving a shit. Just like, what, what do you really think? What's going on? You know, what do you care about? What don't you care about? And uh, yeah, it's really fun. I mean, I've, I'm, I think I've recorded a few now and, um, uh, I'm on episode four, so I'm still a baby when it comes to podcasting, but I like it. It's a way of expressing mm -hmm. um, that's perhaps different to what I've been doing. So, yeah. That's so awesome. Is it yeah. Has it been released yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a couple of weeks ago. And um, it's great. I mean, what's great about these things, I think, is that 
know, when you release something to the world and you say, okay, this is what I think, this is my point of view. There are always people that come back and say, I love your point of view. You know, like you're amazing. Your point of view is really good. And this is really great. I'm going to share this with everyone I know. And then there's always people that come back and say, I hate you. (laughs) Right? Hate this. I made a comment about feeling fat and you shouldn't say that. And you shouldn't say this. You're fat shaming. You're fat shaming. Okay, well, thank you for the feedback. You know, I won't do it again, but do you need to be so fucking mean about it? <laughs> you know, like they're just, it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I, I like it too, because I think it's almost a sign of success in some ways that you're, you know, you're really reaching people. But I do find it very interesting in this time that there are so many people out there that do want to encourage, but there are so many people out there that want to discourage. Like who takes the time to sit and write an email to say how much they hate something? And this was something you'd never, someone you'd never met before? You know, yeah, there's someone who'd watch the, listen to, yeah, yeah, someone who'd listen uh, to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Didn't like it. Completely That's so weird. Okay, I have full, full disclosure. Sam, you're talking to someone who has a lot of haters. I have a lot of haters because of Congratulations. stuff. Congratulations. It means you're doing working. something good. I was just going to say that. But the fact that you've had a complete stranger reach out already at episode four and already correct you. Oh my goodness. Go high five through the screen. We are recording remotely, full disclosure. <laughs> no, that was actually on episode one. I mean, I'm an achiever. I achieved that on episode one. I had I had that. You I know, just almost on. pulled the microphone out of the, out of the laptop. <laughs> on episode one, I had my first hater email. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting really good with the delete button. It used to be <laughs> yeah. a while ago, I would always be like, oh God, you know, it'd be like a into the heart oh someone doesn't like it i need to change it and or i would you know want to email back i'm sorry you feel that way and here's why i did it and justify my position and everything it's just such a waste of time yeah. it's such a waste of time so now i do a ceremonious delete yeah and uh i you know i feel really good about that because i i, I don't want to i don't want to waste the energy to be quite quite honest yeah. about it i'm working on getting to where you're at i think there's a reason why today was the day that we didn't know that this was gonna, everything that was gonna be happening in my own specific life. And we kind of talked a little bit before as I practiced with guests to do, get into the rhythm of the conversation to start with. But I'm, I'm working with my mental health and things to get to that point, right? Get to that point of being okay with the negative feedback because you saying that you wanna lose weight or whatever, however you said it, like that's not fat. You're not fat shaming other people. So technically, Sam, you're not fat shaming anybody by saying that you want to get into a healthier place, especially because as our bodies age, right. And I'm noticing this, like I still, because I walk so much, my body is really like able, I don't elasticity. I don't know what you would call that because it's not really with weight loss, but just with that ability to move and things like that. But as we get older, that ability can gradually like leave us if we don't stay active, right? And so the fact that you're turning 50 and you're proactively thinking about your activity level and ways that you can be in a shape where you feel comfortable and a body where you feel the most, that's not fat shaming. I disagree completely with that person. Yeah, I, I'm I write I, them a strongly worded email. <laughs> I agree with you, but I, I, you know, and, and as I'm listening to you and thinking about this as well I think sometimes what we do when we when we rock the boat you know and you and I like to rock the boat 
when we rock the boat is that it it, it can really sort of hit certain people in different ways yeah. and and those people have their own stuff going on they have their own challenges and you know it can it can hit them in such a way that it it, it really bothers them it bothers them enough that they want to write about it i think everybody should have a voice everybody should be able to express their opinion on things we don't have to agree with it um, you know, if, if in the world we could be, I guess, a lot more understanding of people's different people's points of view, even if we wildly disagree with them, then the world would be a whole lot more peaceful place. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's what I have to work on because I'm kind of like at that point where I think, oh, fuck you. I don't care. You have your opinion. I have mine daily, you know. Um, but why, where I want to be is a lot more. OK, you know, that's your point of view. This is my point of view. We can both coexist in the world without having to be at war with each other. And I, I think that, you know, considering all that's going on in this country right now, where we're at in terms of the election coming up very, very shortly, I, we're so divisive and we work hard on being inclusive. This is the opposite of what we want. Yes, we do. You and I both work so hard on that. And if I can really like for a, a moment of like, I had my moment last year, like when you and I met and I was going through my own stuff at the day of the conference and I was living in kind of an institution for my mental health. We were allowed to come and go during the day, but looking back, it was very much, very much an institution kind of setting where like, like the walls were like very like bland. There were no mirrors, like our pockets got checked when we came quote unquote home. I refused to call it home because I didn't think of it as home. And I remember reading on the back of the book that you wrote and on the back of the book, when I got back to the place where I was staying and it said that you were something about like someone thought that you were uh, someone who was homeless on the back of the book jacket. And it just like my mental health went into the toilet. I felt so like, cause there were other things that happened during the day with like, you all ended the day with a song that's really hard for me to sing. And so I went outside and cried that whole time. Cause I was like at that moment, I mean, just yesterday with Urban Voices during the neighborhood sing, I cried halfway through the neighborhood sing anyway. So that's just kind of a normal thing for me with the choir. But I was so like, hurt and confused because I had had that experience with you that was for me so positive like I chose to stay the entire day right and then on this conference the other day this is like it seems like it's maybe been two weeks right it's been a little bit of time you use the word displaced and you use the word person to describe me to all of these women right I was the only guy at the conference and we're in a zoom call with like almost 100 people and my heart was so warmed because there's so many people that I know, like you and I, we met one time in person, right? We're connected on social media. We're connected because I follow what you do and what you do in encouraging women and things and the stuff that you do is so, to me, inspiring. But for me, it was such a moment of like, wow, this woman doesn't even really know me that well but just the awareness that you're working on with yourself and the things that you're learning and the, and the ways that you're learning and growing as a person. And I've got people in my life that I talk to directly about these things and they still don't know how to include people. They still don't know how to other people with the language that you, they use. You even said something before we started about, you know, young people who have 
different ways that they learn, right? And and ways that we're kind of in this narrative that like kind of gets everybody to fit into similar boxes and similar places and things. And I just really appreciate you and your awareness that like not everybody's coming to the experience or whatever experience it is with the same things and the same stuff and the same set of privileges or the same set of unearned favor as I like to use rather because it's really not a privilege it's you know ways that we've set ourselves up as people who are white to be in a position of power and authority and it's not based on anything right it's based off of something that a Swedish botanist in the 1700s named Carlos von Linnaeus came up with right a white man came up with all of this stuff that we base everything off of now and so for me that's why what you do is so powerful and I love the fact that you're cursing in your podcast because it took me, I wasn't allowed to curse in the first two years of podcasting because I was with a community radio. And when we started this current series, I was nervous to, you know, I'm, I curse like a sailor. I've got a, I'm an Italian, I've got a loud, loud mouth. I love to say the F word. I love to say fuck. It's like a really powerful word to me. It is, isn't it? I like it. It's super yes, powerful. Like and, it. And, it, and it causes people to like, because I think in my whole life, I've been told not to say things like that. For me, it's a way of pushing back, right? To push back to, well, in the calls that we talked that we talked about with the Aspire Conference over three days, kind of this pushing back against the patriarchy, pushing back against this exclusion, pushing back against these narratives that are kind of causing us, and not just women, but you focus your work on women, to feel discouraged, to feel disempowered, to feel like they don't have a place, not even at the table, but in the world in general, right? And that's what was so inspiring to me was this ability that you have to encourage people. I was pacing in this room for two days, waiting for them to move me from Project Room Key from one motel room to another. And just in this short time of being on here, with you, you've encouraged me in ways that like people that I know have been trying for months to lift my spirits, Sam, months to lift my spirits. And I've been in such a deep, dark place of, and not just me internally, but just all the stuff that we fight against in the world. And even just now you have this such a gift of encouragement. And I just want to tell you that right now, this is probably your most beautiful gift that you bring to this planet is your ability to uplift people in the moment that they're in and show them the beauty. And I really appreciate that about you so much. Oh, well, you should come to my house and tell my kids that I don't quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> what? Huh? Really? I don't know. Um, I was nervous. As soon as I had said the word displaced person, I said to myself in my head, fuck, did you get that right, Sam? Did you say the right thing? You totally said the right thing. I I was like really nervous. And even <laughs> as you were just talking about now, I was like, oh my God, is he going to tell me I said the wrong thing? Because sometimes I say the wrong thing yeah. and we all do, but I think we have to keep learning. And I think language, your point about language is absolute genius. It's brilliant because it it's at the heart of so many things and language is words. It's how we act. It's how we feel. It's how we communicate with people. Another really good example of this. I read this yesterday because I'm always, I think we all should be always learning. I read yeah. yesterday that a parent was talking about a school teacher and the teacher, instead of using the word um, parents or caregivers or whatever, she with her kids, she used the words, your grownups. Who are your grownups? 
And so whether you're, you know, you're a foster kid or you, you're adopted or you have parents or you don't have parents or you have, a, you have divorced parents or you have a, a caretaker or, you, or whatever, whatever your situation is, yeah. to say you're grownups, I was like, that is brilliant. I must remember that. I must remember that. I'm always like storing it in my mind. Um, and, and, and before I spoke with you, I may, I was like reading again, is it, is it displaced? Is it unhomed? I want to get it right because if you don't get it right, it can really go to the core of people. Mm -hmm. And when you take the time to figure out what it is you should and shouldn't be saying, what you're actually saying is I care enough. I give enough of a shit to find the right words. And also if I don't get it right, you have full permission to tell me you didn't get it right and you need to call it this. And I think this is how we, how we evolve and we give examples to other people. And I, I, I'm the queen of anyone who's different. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was telling my kids, you know, before, when I was like, before I got married and I lived with my sister and, we were really like hand to mouth on things, but I would always love to cook. And I would invite every waif and stray for the neighborhood <laughs> to come and eat with us <laughs> on like Christmas or you know, whatever. We didn't have Thanksgiving in England, but you know, those kind of equivalents. And it, mostly it was Christmas and there would be like someone sleeping on the couch and someone sleeping on the floor. And, you know, there'd always be people. On, and there were always people who other people would consider um, odd. Yeah other people would consider some, something's wrong with her. What's wrong with him? You know, these kind of things. These are the people I love the most. I love anyone who is different. And I, you know, I remember one time, and I don't know why you're making me think about this, but this was years and years and years and years ago. I remember going into a shop in England and there was a young woman there who uh, everyone was like staring at and didn't really quite know what to do with her. And kind of laughing, and I know why they were laughing. And she had gone out, and she had like her clothes on. She had like her top off on, and everything. And she had her um, uh, underwear and like tights, you know, like pantyhose on. But she not, she didn't have a skirt on or or uh, pants or anything like that. And no one was really doing anything. And she was obviously like disoriented, and she didn't really know what she was doing. And you know, I must have been about. Maybe I was 15, 16 myself. And I went over to her and I was like, where do you live? And she wasn't really sure. And I was like, come on, come outside. And maybe you can remember where you live. And I walked her home. And then there was this you know, woman coming towards me who was obviously her caregiver or parent or something. She was her grown up. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh, you know, she, oh, oh, thank you for finding her. Thank you for finding her. And it, like, why was I, why I've always been that person. I'm going to be the person that's like, are you, come on. Like, like, not like, are you okay? Do we need to call an ambulance? Like, do you, do you have a problem? Like, you know, I, I'm not that person. I've always been this person who wants, if you're a bit different or you haven't, like, if you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day. You forgot to put your skirt on. Okay, the world's not going to come to an end. Right. I mean, I just, I love anyone that's different. You know, yeah. one of the, um, to be not named, a UK government department <laughs> came to me, <laughs> came to me a few years ago, and they said, um, "You know, we've heard about you, and we, we'd like you to do some work with Anamad Files." I said, "Okay, fine." And they said, "We'd like to give you all of our dysfunctional people." 
And I was like, what do you mean? Well, you know, all the people that don't really fall into the regular standards of what we're doing. And I said, okay, well, what do you mean? Well, they're all part of different groups. We've got um, a black and ethnic minorities group. We've got a um, uh, LBGTQ group. We've got a Muslim group. We've got a women's group. We've got a disabilities group. Um, it's all of those people. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, want to like scream. I'm, oh, okay, okay. Well, what is it you want me to do with them? Well, we'd like them to be more normal. That's a good place for fuck to go in right there. Oh my yeah. fuck, more yeah. normal? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I remember this one guy, and he, so I did this first um, workshop, and I mean, there was about sixty people there, and this this young man. I mean, I don't know how, how old he was. He, he came up to me and he said, um, I'm a member of several groups and I need to tell you, I'm very concerned about being here. I'm a member of several groups. I'm a member of the, I think he said, the learning disabilities group, um, LGBT group. Um, I don't know. He reeled off a couple of groups. He was, he was, he was a member intersectionality, right? There's no intersectionality groups. He yeah. was a member of several groups. Yeah. And, and so, and he said, I, I think that I'm going to have some kind of breakdown during this. I'm just not really sure if I'm going to be able to handle being in a workshop all day. And I said, okay, what do you need? And he said, I might need to go and lie down. Now we're in a hotel. So I said, look, it's fine. If you need something, you come to me and I'm going to find you somewhere quiet. You can go. Yeah. And he seemed happy with that and all was well. Anyway, throughout the day, everyone's very like the workshop you were at, but on a smaller scale, like people were in small groups of six. We were moving around. We meet different people, very similar to what you did. Very emotional, very fun. Yeah. Lunchtime comes. I go out for a bit, get some fresh air. I come back in after lunch and there's something going on at the front of the room. So I go to the front of the room wondering what's happening. This guy is lying down on the floor because he said he, need, he would need a rest. He'd need to lie down. So he's lying down on the floor and his group, which is another six people, have like this arch, a, a man-made arch over him, like shielding him so he can have this rest. And as other people come in and they're like, what's going on here? What's happening? People are going to the front of the room and they are, do you remember how we all did at the end of yeah. the thing in, yeah. in, in LA? Everyone is like crowding around and providing him some space, but also this safety of this kind of human fence around him. And it was such a moment. It really was amazing. Like one of the top, top, top moments of my career to see this. One of the biggest learnings for me was it wasn't my job to solve this. I was like, oh, yes, no, no problem. I will give you solutions. This is what we always do, isn't it? Come to me and I will take you. Yeah. I, will, I will take you away from all this. Yes, I will take you out of this situation. You'll feel more comfortable. When you feel more comfortable, you can come back in again. No, no, no. Completely the wrong thing to do. I didn't have to do anything. He didn't actually have to do anything. His group around him did it for him. Now, this was someone that never really spoke up very much and became such a voice over the next workshops that we did. And I, and I, I love that. I'm like, these, are, these aren't the dysfunctional people. These are the people. Yeah. These are the people. Because they, you'll laugh at this. 
they later asked me to do a talk to like the senior management. Okay. And it was a sea of gray, you know, gray faces, gray suits, just awful. And all men probably mostly. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, um, But not men like you. And they said, and they, and they said to me, they, they like two minutes, literally, before I went, and there was a lot of them, like maybe like 700 or something. Yeah. And, and before they took me on stage, they, they, their little small group came up to me and they said, um, we need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And they took me into this side room and they said, um, okay, we've heard about you. I've never met these people before. We've heard about you. And two things. Number one, uh, you are not allowed to mention Trump. And I just come, I just de-Trumped, right? I just come from, it was 2016. So I just left America and I was in England because yeah. I didn't want to be in America because of Trump. Yeah. And uh, since then I've been come back to try and help change things. But anyway, so I just, he's like, you can't mention Trump. And also you may not, you cannot swear, not in this audience, it's not okay. And I remember at this moment of, you know, you sometimes you just don't know what to do, do you? So I said, okay, okay, you know go small I said okay and then all right so I got on stage and I stood there for a second I looked out of this sea of gray and I I looked at them and I said well I'm fucking glad I (laughs) de-trumped we should make that a thing like we should make de-trumping a thing because I don't say his name but I could say de-trump I could say you, that. Yeah, you de-trumped. <laughs> it was very funny. I looked out at this audience and they were just like nothing, right? Like <laughs> just nothing. There's very, very awkward silence. Because that's how they move through their lives, Sam. They move through their lives awkward. They move through their lives not being honest about what's happening in the world and then wonder why we end up with what we have. We have a reality TV show president because we've allowed that to perm well you didn't because you weren't you're not from here originally in the united states of blessed america but we allowed this for years and for years i questioned why i don't really care for television and for why folks were so interested in that and so interested in a culture where we're looking for people to fail, where we're looking for people to make mistakes, where we're looking to exclude people, where we're looking to not have them be a part of something or mock them when they do something that we don't like. And it's such a, it's such a testament to where we are now and folks like you and I and who we are and like working to include people and working to be, authenticity is a word at this moment that comes to mind when you, you know, you got up there and you and you went ahead and did what they said don't do, but you did it in a way that was like, yeah, I'm not gonna do it, but I'm gonna do it in my way. And just being aware of that, you know, those of us that are authentic, because I think about those moments in my life, it was just a, a situation where about a month and a half ago, someone that was at the motel wanted to go get a bike. And so I offered, he's mostly blind and he needed help getting out of the neighborhood and to all, a store where they could get a bike. And so I offered and we're waiting for this, the bus and this woman comes up and I've talked about it in a couple podcasts already. She's now known to my listeners as the woman from the bench. And it was so weird because she came up and she had this bag of chips and she held this bag of chips out to us. 
clearly like a lot going on for her. Like she couldn't talk and I wasn't sure, like I wasn't wanting the chips. I wasn't really hungry. It was morning. I don't really eat in the mornings because of anxiety. But she didn't have any shoes on. She didn't look like she had a bath in a while. And she kept just holding out the bag of chips. And the older gentleman who I was with, who was in his 70s, he's kind of ignoring her, right? And didn't know what to do. And I just kept like looking at her because that kind of thing happens to me a lot and has always happened to me. People who are in pain seek me out. I am a healer. I know this. I know this. I know that's part of why I'm here on this planet. But it was weird because I just kept looking at her and then all of a sudden I felt something splash onto my leg. I wear shorts a lot, short pants. And I felt something splash onto my leg and I looked and it's like, you know, this is like September, it's not raining. And I realized she was crying. Mm-hmm. Like she couldn't speak, but she was sobbing and she was crying. And there was just like this beautiful moment of like, we just started having this conversation with just our eyes and she just kept looking at me and she kept trying to speak, but could not speak. And then she just kept crying harder and I just kept like just sitting there with her and then I started crying and then the guy is sitting there like not knowing what to do with any of this. And I just said, it's really hard, huh? I said, I don't have a place to go right now either. And it really, it's really painful. And life is really difficult. And I'm sorry that you're having such a bad day. And she just started crying even harder, right? Because I'm sure everybody ignores her because she couldn't get words out, right? This probably went on for about maybe 10 minutes. She then starts to walk away. And I remember like watching her walk away. And at this point, the guy was like, he had started smoking his cigarette. He was over it. He was like, when's the bus coming? I want to get on the bus. I was still fascinated with this woman who was trying to connect, right? And, and doing everything she could, including this woman who was without a home trying to feed us, right? Not realizing that we both are barely in a different situation than her with our shelter. She walks away and she was very hunched over. Like if anybody's ever listening has ever been depressed, she was very hunched over. She looked really downtrodden, really sad. Her back straightened up. She looked me right in the eyes and she said, thank you. And she went back to this pain and back to crying and back, but just this moment of like, like even now I'm about to start crying. Like even this moment of like my being willing to be present in her humanity rather than just ignore her or think that she's some random person who's addicted on the street or whatever. Like she was seeking connection and I've been through enough of that in this experience of homelessness. Like I'm an applied anthropologist, right? There's a reason why I wasn't supposed to be unhoused for this long. But I've encountered so many people when I was outside on the street that were looking for crystal meth or looking for heroin or looking for something else. Now, I don't do those. I've never done, never done stuff like that. I've full disclosure, cannabis for my mental health for listeners, but nothing else. And it was so weird because what kept happening in this message that I kept getting when these folks were coming up to me in the middle of the night, I wasn't in a tent. They were coming up and, you know, interrupting me as I was laying there, you know, under my blanket or whatever. They weren't even really looking for drugs. What they were looking for is connection. They were looking for human connection. And we live in this culture that so disconnects us when we're a part of those groups of intersectionality, right? It disconnects us and rips our humanity away from us. And it's just so impactful to me. And I think that's why I'm so drawn to your work, Sam, and why I keep coming back because 
Well, that moment that you and I were talking about, about the woman in Cameroon, right, in the breakout room, and just the email I got from her yesterday, and the ways that she thanked me for including her, like she couldn't really hear what was going on in the breakout in Zoom. She could see our faces, but she couldn't really hear us and her camera was off. And I just remember seeing it in the in the breakout room, in the chat and just being like, I know what that feels like. I know that there's something that she must be going through why her camera's off and why she's not talking. And then she expressed that she can't very, hear very well and that she's partially deaf. And it was like this beautiful moment. And the email yesterday was to thank, to thank me for including her, right? And diffusing that moment. And I think you and I both have that same gift, right? To be sure that the folks that are usually, I don't want to say traditionally because I hate that word because I don't want it to be a tradition anymore. I want that tradition to go away. I want a de-tradition exclusion since we're de-trumping and de-things today. We're de-traditioning exclusion. And what does that look like to include folks, right? To include the folks that other people look at and go, oh, there's something wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just seeking connection as well, just like we are. Just like we are. They're seeking connection. And it's so fascinating what you're saying. And I love that story that you shared with the, the woman at the bench. And I can't even imagine the pain that she is in every single day and the and the lack of inclusion, right. you know, the lack of anybody even seeing her. And if you remember on the conference, I'm not sure if you were there when Karen was speaking about encouragement. Oh and, yes, yeah. And she she wanted us all to say through the text, the chat to Ari, who couldn't hear us, I see you, I, I can see you, I see you. And um, it's, that, it's very much that, like we actually can see beyond, like can we see beyond when somebody comes to us who is different? Um, I think in order to do that, you have to be looking and you're clearly looking and, and to, it's not easy to look outwards when you've got a lot of problems or challenges or whatever you want to call it going on inside. It's not easy to do that. Why do we do it? We do it because it, it helps the other person, but it also really helps us. Like when you had that connection, when I have that connection, it feels great. I mean, I don't do drugs either, but this is my drug of choice. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I came off of the conference last week, I was on such a, a high because yeah. you feel that level of uplift that's happening. So many things that happened through me, but so many things that happened through you and many others that were there, you know, doing all the things that you're doing. I think that this could possibly be it, you know, because we're always trying to find the solution. And we can't always find the solution. When someone rocks up at your bus stop and they don't have sh shoes on their feet and they can't talk, you can't find the solution for them. Right. And there's no advice to give them. You know, snap out of it. You're going to be okay. Let me give you a contact for my housing thing. You know, it's, not, it's, it's useless. But the most powerful thing is you did and you gave such a great example to was to see her can we see her? And I, I think that this is also maybe relatively easy when it's someone we have a connection with. Like, I feel you because I don't, I'm without home too. I feel you. Yeah. When it's someone that we don't have anything in common with, 
when it's someone that we don't agree with them, when it's someone who have a different religion to us, a different belief set to us, a different value set to us, that becomes very, very hard. But if we could get to that point, I mean, this is us reincarnated a few times in the future i think this is, this is a while away um you know we'll be able to really see each other even if we don't agree can we co i think this is a good question you know, can we exist can we coexist and not agree without war you know, with, without people being excluded if they don't agree with your point of view and if those people are in a more vulnerable part of society and they don't agree with you what are you going to do? Are you going to make them further excluded or are you going to bring them with you? And these are the kind of questions that I think that we all need to be asking ourselves right now, all of us, whoever we are, whatever we're doing. Your yeah. work's terrific. And I was so happy to see your face on Zoom. <laughs> I was like, it's, it's, it's Scotty. My guy. That was so bizarre, right? As a applied anthropologist, to be the only like guy in that group was very, very interesting to me because I'm used to like, I'm used to being the other, but on this side of it, of always being, you know, the person who is different in the sense of being an anthropologist. And I've always found myself in those positions. But I think this might be a good time to actually let the listeners know like what it is you do because they might not even realize I've just been assuming this whole time that they know who Dr. Sam Collins is and what Aspire is what it is it, what is it that you do well clearly I'm an uplifter I like that <laughs> you know um we weren't going to use the word traditional what was the word that you said instead of traditional Detraditional now. De 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 myself. Yes. So, what I I mean, I run conferences. I run events. My my my. I run an organization called Aspire for Equality. I'm a speaker. I'm a writer. Blah blah blah. Right. Um, a podcast host. A new and a podcast host just started. Yeah, but the thing that I am all about is ignition. When I say ignition, it's about igniting people around their goals, their projects, their ambitions, and particularly around social causes and social justice. I mean, I love that. And I'm not the one that will stay with you the whole time necessarily, but I am the one that will provide that ignition, provide that uplifting. And where I am very focused right now is on building community on building a global community. I'm sort of over England or America or Uganda or Australia or whatever it is. In itself, that's divisive. For me, I'm very much about global community and, and it is about empowerment of women, but at the same time, we are very focused on everybody. You, you know, I think that, that there are many, many people like you that are attracted to our work, not because it's about being a woman or whatever, you know, whatever way we identify ourselves. It's about being good. I don't think that sounds so cliche these days, being a good person, doing good things, doing the right things and doing them on a moment to moment basis. It doesn't have to be that, you know, you're running a huge global organization to end world poverty. It's about the fact that you're someone that will stop at the bus stop and connect with someone who needs it. 
if everybody could do that, the world would be a radically different place because mostly it's, you don't, you know, you'd sit at the, at the bus stop or on the bus or on the train or in your office or wherever and you ignore what's going, we ignore what's going on around us. But, you know, when you, when you are like you or me and you say, okay, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to have a voice, it can be terrifically hard if you don't have that support around you. You know, you need to be able to sway sometimes. You need to be able to fall backwards and someone catch you. Otherwise, it can lead to a, a mental health problems because we feel so different. You know, we feel so different to the mainstream. But my goal is to bring us all together. Every misfit, every crazy person, everyone that's ever been told you've got a disability or something's wrong with you or you should do this or you shouldn't do that or don't speak up that way. This, uh, this is, I want everybody together because we're a really strong force. We're a powerful right. force. <laughs> here, 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 here is the people, at least from my end of it, the people who have been excluded that are LGBTQ and who are without a home. I'm even changing it to like people who need a home right? Rather than even saying unhoused, because I realize, like, in this time that I've been doing this work, that's even changing. And I'm even uncomfortable with the term unhoused or surviving homelessness. Like, these are people who need a home. And I've been doing this work for decades. I've actually looking back as I've been recording more solo podcasts, just like you, I've been doing this work since I was a kid, right? Like I was advocating for my parents to take in people who didn't have a place to go when I was a little boy, because I was like, they need a home. We have one. Shouldn't they come to stay with us? And my like parents, I don't think really quite understood like why I was so passionate about that. But you said something really interesting before we started recording about, and you made a joke about like us being burned at the stake in previous lives and things. And I started thinking about that, like when you made that joke, because it's true for me of just seeing the ways that I speak up and the ways that I insist on like, no, you're going to hear me. You're going to, you're going to listen to the Sharpie feedback. You're going to listen. Mm -hmm. Now I'm even creating artwork with Sharpies and, you know, painting sunshine and painting seascapes and painting forests and all of these things with these Sharpies that were such a like, I'm gonna tell you everything that bothered me about like your healthcare conference. Cause that's something that I'm also passionate about is healthcare gaps in healthcare and mental health services because I know what it's like to be on the other end of it but I also have the privilege to speak up. And I recently was asked by a really large healthcare insurance company to sit on an equity advisory council here in Los Angeles. Oh wow. 13 of us have been asked 13 people in the Medi-Cal population have been asked. And I was one of them. And I was asked because I keep, gonna say the F word again, I keep fucking confronting people and calling them into community about the ways that they are not aware of their unearned favor, their unearned advantages that put them ahead of other people, right? Because it puts us, I mean, even my white skin puts me ahead of other people. And I constantly have to like, be aware of that and and I don't even want to say putting it in check, but but that awareness of like there's things that there's ways that I can speak to the cops that other people whose skin isn't white can speak to the cops. There's ways that like I can access services because 
I'm looking across the room at the smartphone that my mom pays for with her iPhone or with the, with the iPhone that I have. And I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't been able, I wouldn't be able to afford, you know, to do this work. And right now we're recording off of a laptop that's for the, that podcasting and things like that. But most of the stuff that I do with my organizing and things is off of that smartphone. And if it wasn't for my mom believing this, but even my mom, if you listen, mom, please. Oh my goodness. I love you so much for imagine as much as I confront everyone else. Imagine how much I've confronted my mother. Like, thankfully I love you, dad, but my dad has passed. So he no longer has to deal with that. But like, she told me when I started the podcast, she goes, well, of course that's what you do. She goes, you challenge stereotypes. She goes, you've always done this. You've always challenged people's perceptions of how they treat people. And I'm even learning now, like I'm on both sides of it, right? Like sometimes I'm someone who's oppressed, but sometimes I'm also the oppressor. Sometimes I'm the person who deals with like homophobia and things like that. And sometimes I'm the sexist and have like, you know, unaware, you know, we all, I believe we all do that in podcasting. Mm-hmm has taught me that but this this idea of you being the ignition right and many people have called me a spark plug in the last number of years and so that's also something that we have in common where I just found myself with multiple people after this most recent conference with you all like being that again for people and like immediately getting off of that those breakout rooms after the final day of the conference and getting on to a Zoom call just like this for 45 minutes with a woman who's a business coach in Scotland. And we started talking and she was like, you're the most on-brand person I've ever met, but you're not running a business. You're an organizer. Like, it was just so weird. And for me, it was like, I, I was having to do that whole thing of like, but, 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 but this was, this is not a business. Like, I'm not trying to make money. And then I had to stop myself and be like, wait a minute, Scott. You've got somebody here who wants to help you look at your website. I've got two brand new shows that aren't formatted like this. There's there's short form shows, one where we're learning Italian and one where we're talking about podcasting wisdom. And I don't know how to like display them and things on the website and real good stuff is now having babies, so to speak. And I love it because that's what happened in my hometown is every time I do a show, it would have another show would have another baby and we'd start recording about another topic. And I'm just so inspired by all of these women who are like you, who are like me, who, you know, whether we've been through multiple lifetimes before or whatever it is, we're coming together again to encourage people to be those people like I was that day at the bus stop. And how do we be that person, not just to folks who are struggling but also to the folks that we're like in community with right and to the the folks that are around us every day that do have the same under advantages that we have regardless of what group they're a part of or what marginality or intersectionality they're dealing with how do we really like you said see them or be aware of them and be aware of their presence and acknowledge them and acknowledge the gifts because Ari had so much to bring so much to bring to that conference to the breakout room to the larger zoom conversation at the end of like she had so much to contribute but if we hadn't taken that time to be aware of that like we would have lost out on that ability and that beauty of her contribution 
to be a part of it, right? Because we wouldn't have known, right? But mm -hmm. it took those of us who were aware of the fact that, oh, hey, here's this person who's being quiet. Why are they being quiet? Do they really want to be quiet because they want to be quiet? Or are they being quiet because there needs to be some space made for them to be able to share and be a part of what's happening? And to me, that's just what's so beautiful. And we did it on Zoom, on Zoom, not even in a room, because I think it's one thing when you're in a space physically together, it's something different when you're on a Zoom call or you're on a conference thing like this, because you can't see body language, right? We're only seeing each other from like the chest up. And so it's harder to tell like, is somebody okay? Are they fidgeting? Are they like ready to like leave the room? Are they gonna just click out and you don't know why they clicked out? Like, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And so for me, that's a really big deal. What have you learned, Sam, in your 20 years of doing this work and bringing people together? What's the biggest things you've learned? Well, that's a good question. One of the things I, I, I want to say, and this is something I've learned, but I want to bring it back to the conversation you were having with the, the coach, in, the woman coach in Scotland. Oh, yeah. I think that there is this sort of myth out there that we have to bust that if we're being an activist, if we're campaigning for change, if we're um, doing this kind of work that money's not a thing or, or we shouldn't be making money. And I, I really disagree with that. I, I think that, we, that the more money that we can make, the more that we can be visible, the more that we can do the work that we want to do, the more that we can have the home that we need, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm a really, really, really big fan of money, <laughs> really big fan. Um, and I think that there's plenty out there for all, and there's a lot to be said about money and financial equity um, around the globe as well, and how that has created so much exclusion. But I would really encourage you to sort of think about that. And you know, a lot of people right now are monetizing their podcasts, and you know, they're they're it is a business, but it's not a business in the what do we call it? De-traditional, we're de-traditionalizing business, which was always about making money at the cutthroat expense of other people. Yeah. I mean, I'm a massive believer in social business, social enterprise, and I think this is the way forward. So I, I you know, strongly encourage you to, to think about that more and have more conversations with this woman in Scotland about that. But um, what have I learned in 20 years? Sometimes I think I have learned very little. <laughs> I think I'm just kind of like, I'm just getting going. I'm just getting going now. I'm going to be 50. Like I was walking down the stairs yesterday and I was like, okay, Sam, you're halfway through, but I'm not halfway through because I'm going to live to 103. I've always said that. Okay. So I have a little, a little while before I'm going to be halfway through. And, and I, I'm always learning. You know, what I thought was really a good learning 10 years ago is now completely irrelevant. I'm learning right now during COVID, during this era, that I have to stay really open. Mm -hmm. The more that I sort of crowd my mind with, well, you need to do this, Sam, you need to do that, Sam, and this is so much to do and go to the kids, blah, blah, blah. the more I do that, the more I sort of closed off to all those other possibilities. Yeah. I think um, I'm learning that now is a really, really great time for creativity, really great time for creativity. And where, whatever that looks like, you know, in the conference we were talking about um, books and podcasts and speaking and whatever it looks like um, for you. Um, I'm learning that it's now, it's, it's our time. Mm -hmm. It really is our time. And when I say our time, I mean, everybody that sort of identifies in some way as being different, which technically is the entire human race, right? And who, whoever else is looking in and listening in from, from wherever else. So it really is our time. 
With regards to what you said about Zoom, I actually think that it's got huge potential for us and, and anything virtual is huge potential because we might not be able to see and hear people in the same way, but we can, we can feel in the same way. You know, we can intuitively feel in the same way and we can connect with people all over the world. And we, we, we didn't really do that before, you know, in LA, the conference was pretty much everyone from LA, maybe, you know, a few from other parts of the U S our conferences in London, pretty much everyone's from England, a few from Europe, uh, maybe a couple of people might be able to fly in from other places. And so in this way, it, it really does become a bit more of a global movement. And I think that's really exciting. I think that's really, really exciting. And it, it wouldn't be able to happen without this kind of technology. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for it. And, you know, people are saying, oh, it's not as good. It's not as good. And I, and I remember when we did the first, our first virtual conference in June and, and I was, oh, I wonder, I'm going to treat this like a experiment. I'm really curious. What will people say? Will they say, well, it wasn't as good as an in-person or it was as good. What would they say? And it was very interesting. You know, some people said, oh, they said exactly that. It wasn't as good as an in-person, you know, we'd like to actually see and feel people. And then other people were like, it was better. It was better. And, you know, here are the reasons why it was better. And I, I think that you can't please all the people all the time and I don't intend to, but right now we're in Zoom land. Yeah. And, and I love it because I don't have to drive downtown to see you or you don't have to drive somewhere. You don't have to get on a bus to come see me or whatever it is. <laughs> like, wow, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you suddenly got a car. Yeah, I was like, oh, donating a car for you. Um, and I hate driving anyway and I'm terrible at it. So I, I would try and get my husband to drive me or get an Uber or something, which is really not my ideal thing to do. So I just think there are there are always beautiful things to see and, and you're yeah. someone that does that. And I want to solve everything. I want to go right now with you and find that woman that was in the bus shelter. And I want to, you know, scoop her up and I want to give her a makeover and give her a good meal and bring her home and have her live with me. So I have to try and stay away from always wanting to solve everything for everybody um because it's never enough mm -hmm. it's never enough there's always there's always more and um but i you know i love that i know you i love that we stayed friends you oh my goodness oh yes absolutely and you know since you bring her up one more time sometimes i believe because i've not seen her since then right and as an organizer i i tend to pay attention to the people that i see Right, and I, I, especially people who need a home that are outside, I really pay attention, especially because the pandemic is going on. I'm very conscious of that. And I'm noticing like there's a lot of places where there's a lot more tents, like in Echo Park specifically, like they've quadrupled in numbers since then. Mm. And I have to wonder, like, I get that she's a person, but at the same time, I really believe angels cross our path oh you were gonna say that i was right? like it's gonna be an angel for sure who gave me the shivers and how Ooh. we respond mm. because what you said to me about and multiple people have said this to me in the middle of all the shit that i've gone through in the last three years and being in need of a home but all of the beauty that has come out of it and just her response right because she was right in front of us and she literally like at first was like trying to get 
the guy's attention. She wasn't trying to get mine. She was trying to get his at first. And then she shifted to me and I was the one that was actually like acknowledging her presence, right? And just that moment of when she walked away and how she like literally stood up, looked me in the eye and said, thank you. And then went back and kept walking. Now I have to wonder when things like that happen because this isn't the first time stuff like this has happened in my life. And someone even recently, and this is gonna make me sound like a weird alien conspiracy theorist, but there are other beings, right? Inhabiting this planet besides us in the spirit world. And I really believe that they, they interact with us on a regular basis, but because we, we see what we see with our human eyes and our human brain. We see everything in that context, in that physical world context. And because she raised up the way she did and said, thank you, that stuck in my head. Like, was she an angel? Was she there to teach me something of like, even in the middle, cause I didn't have, I didn't even have a dollar that day. I had no money. I had nothing that day with me. So I had literally no way to help her, but I did have that ability to listen. And I did have that ability to cry with her right? And be present like that. And it just sticks out in my head because I had the ability to give her what I could give that day. Mm, right? And lovely. it sticks out in my head. Like, what do I have to give at that moment? Maybe it's just a hello. Maybe it's just a fuck you. You know, whatever it is that I have to give someone, I have something to give people, right? And and I am, I love that you bring that up about the podcast too. Cause like I started podcasting with a nonprofit. The whole purpose when I started in 2015 was not for money. I had three jobs when I started podcasting. I did not need an income. That was not the purpose. It was, I was engaging people in my hometown and folks were like, we want to start a community radio. Can you help us? And I'm like, that's a coastal town in Oregon. Good luck with that. People move real slow. Nobody gets up before noon. Like this just is not going to happen. Well, they did it, but I didn't. Like, just like you said, I didn't have to be, I was the spark plug for them basically. And like, you know, giving them tools and they brought all these people together and then stuck me on the microphone one night when someone got laryngitis, who was like, I'm going to be the person on the mic. And I was like, I don't need to be the star. I'm involved in a million things already. I don't need to be the star of be a radio broadcaster. And then it just like naturally like over time happened. And Full disclosure, like that's why I came back to LA. Like it wasn't specifically to podcast about homelessness, but it was to be an activist around homelessness. And it also was because I knew that I had a talent with this. I mean, they got grant money in my hometown based off of content that I helped create and bringing people who were LGBTQ into the conversation and bringing senior stories into the conversation and just sitting down with seniors in the community at the senior center where I was working and be like, hey, your family might want to hear about your life before, you know, you're in your nineties. They might want to hear about your life. You might not want to sit down and write about it, but would you sit down for a 30 minute conversation? And then we can either send a link to them or we can give them a CD and it would be great. And we did that with like three or four like seniors in the community. And it just, those are the things that I have to give. And I'm kind of scared of money. Money makes me nervous because I see, I see what happens to people when they start to get it. And, the ways it changes them as a person. I hope I'm gonna knock on some fake wood right now and hope that doesn't happen to me. But I really believe that there's those of us in this planet that have that gift of encouragement, that we have that gift, not just to uplift others, 
but to show them the beauty even in the middle of what they're going through. And that's what happened that day. Because to me, crying is beautiful. Like there's a lot of people on this planet that can't cry. Like I've ended relationships with people. And if you're listening, oh my gosh, I know they're gonna listen to this, but I've ended relationships <laughs> with men because they couldn't cry. Because to me, that was such a big deal that they could not express themselves in that way. So for me, it's very important because we may not have money. We may not have a home to invite people into. We may not have a car to offer someone a ride, but we all have something that we can give. And it brings it back full circle as I always like to do to encouragement, right? It doesn't cost a thing. It doesn't cost us anything. In my opinion, time does not exist anyway, right? Time is fictitious. It's something we've all agreed upon. It's not real. But if just taking those few moments to connect, because that's why we're here. Brene Brown talks about it. So many like social scientists are talking about it now. We're here for this. We're here to connect. That's mm -hmm. why we're here on this planet. Whether it's this time, this lifetime, last lifetime, lifetimes in the future. However, when we're detrumping, when we're detraditionalizing, when we're on Zoom or we're in person or we're in the UK or in Cameroon or Los Angeles, we're here to connect. And that encouragement, that moment, to encourage one another, it doesn't take anything but that just that moment to just be an encouragement. And I thank you, Dr. Sam Collins, for your encouragement. You uplift me in so many ways. You really have no idea how much you uplift me. And I really appreciate you being a spark plug in my life. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Mwah, 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 mwah. I decided that's my friend told me that's how we should close podcasts now. It's blowing kisses since we're far away. So, mwah, mwah. oh, I like it. Mwah. Mwah. And keep keep acquiring haters because it means you're podcasting about the right thing. <laughs> yeah, I heard one day that um, Oprah had like 42 websites dedicated to hating her. So, well, I don't know if that's true or not. I read that somewhere, but. That was, if she can, then I can. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I really appreciate you, Sam. And Thanks, tell us again where we can find your podcast. Um, everywhere, you know, you look for podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, all the usuals, stripped back, raw, stripped unconventional back conversations. Raw. Awesome. Where I swear a lot about the state <laughs> of the world. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that. Believe me, you're not alone in that. I really appreciate you. Please check out Sam's new podcast. She's one of the newest podcasters in the world, available everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Thank you, Sam. Where can they find out more about Aspire if they want to participate? Um, for our website, aspirefreequality.com. It's all on there. Um, got events coming up, conferences coming up. We're doing everything virtual. We have you know opportunities to attend on scholarship. You know, you never should worry about not being able to pay for it or any of that kind of thing. Um, it's a really fantastic, dysfunctional, <laughs> you want to use that word? <laughs> That's got to start becoming like, in, in my house, if you were called weird, like one, one time my, one of my kids came back home and said they, they were called a weirdo at school. And I was like, congratulations. This <laughs> is a big compliment in our house. Uh, for everyone that has ever been told anything like that this is a great place for you so we hope that you know if you are hearing this and you, you feel like different or odd in any way and you're having a tough time know that you're not alone and there's people like scotty out there and me many many others who love you will look you in the eyes and cry with you and encourage you 
Thank you, Sam, for being an encouragement in so many people's lives and in mine. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening to Real Good Stuff. Please check out Sam's podcast and Aspire for Equality. Thank you to our special guest, Dr. Sam Collins. Thanks for listening to Real Good Stuff. I'm Scott Clapson. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This will